Welcome, fraud fighters, to another episode of the Digital Trust and Safety Insider Podcast, brought to you by SIFT, the leader in digital trust and safety. Today, we're joined by Sean Bradstreet, a 25-year veteran of the U.S. Secret Service and the special agent in charge of the San Francisco field office. In this position, Mr. Bradstreet supervises four offices in Northern California that oversees digital asset investigations, cybercrime, protective intelligence, and dignitary protection. Crypto-based fraud is on the rise and evolving inside a disrupted market. Today, we're covering the Secret Service's ongoing investigation into pig butchering, a global fraud phenomenon that combines online romance scams with a crypto twist. I'm your host, Jeff Sakasagawa. Welcome, Sean. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, uh, Jeff, and I appreciate you having me on the uh, podcast. It's a really important topic to uh, educate people on, so thanks again for having me on. Absolutely, and educate was the key word, so that is a perfect segue into our first question. So for those that are unfamiliar, could you please explain what is involved with these pig butchering scams? Um, I mean, honestly, maybe even just starting with the term, because I think you hear pig butchering and it conjures up a lot of images, uh, some that might be uh, more incorrect than others. Yeah, so pig butchering is actually a term that was actually kind of developed by the by the suspect sides of it. And pig butchering begins when just two individuals meet online. You know, usually it's on a social media platform a dating website. Um, sometimes you'll just get an anonymous text that just says hi, anything that they can kind of start communication with. But once that communication starts, they usually take the old traditional romance investment scams, and they've just kind of manipulated a little bit. And with that being said, they, they start that relationship online, and usually it starts on the romance side. You know, a lot of times we usually see it's an attractive female trying to targeting a male, but we've seen it both ways. And through the course of building up trust in their relationship, they ultimately get to the point where they start talking about investments and, and helping someone else out in a way to actually just make money. So everyone's always curious about how to make money. Crypto is a big, a big thing now, and a lot of people hear about different, you know, get rich quick kind of uh, schemes that are going on. So I think a lot of people are interested in it, but it kind of starts with, you know, the suspects convince the victims over here in the U.S. to invest like $2,000. That's usually a typical starting point that we see. And there's various ways in which they direct them to different websites, which we can chat about later. But with that initial investments, they see online that their investment has doubled within a few days. And this is where they kind of talk about fattening the pig. But when they see it double in a couple of days, they can actually then go in and withdraw that money. Sometimes they're even encouraged to withdraw that money. And it gives the perception that it's real, that, that it's true. Like, hey, this is how quick you invested 2000 Now it's $4,000 within a couple of days. And that's what they call fattening the pig. Well, the suspects usually convince the people like, hey, this is going to happen again, probably in a few days or in a couple of weeks. And then they get them to invest more. It, and it may be slow at first where they invite, where they invest 10,000 and it turns into 20. But ultimately, we're seeing a lot of victims invest like hundreds of thousands of dollars into this scheme. And this is what they call fattening the pig. 
And then once they get to the point where they can't get any more money out of them, they kind of take them to the slaughter and the gig is kind of up. So that's kind of where the uh, pig pig butchering term kind of comes from. It's fattening oh the gosh. pig and then you take them to the slaughter. Uh, what, wonderful. <laughs> I, I can tell you working in fraud prevention, I'm used to just the terms, uh, you know, fraudsters or scammers. So, you know, pig butchering certainly um, is evocative um, and pretty unfortunate in this respect. And what, one thing that kind of came through in that first answer is, you know, cryptocurrency and kind of that speculation seems really integral to, to these kinds of scams. Um, I'm guessing that's that's more intentional, uh, that it's just the, the kind of the right bet to make at the moment. Yeah, and I would say, you know, there's obviously nothing wrong with cryptocurrency. It's just like any other wire transfer or anything else. It just operates differently. I think the big thing on why the criminals are moving to, uh, you know, a digital asset is because it's it's more frictionless than your traditional banking system. Like you don't have to go into and set up a bank account, you know, put in all your know your customers, all the safeguards that we have in place at your traditional financial institutions don't necessarily exist on the crypto side. They do to a degree at certain exchanges for sure, um, but, but it's just less friction. So criminals can actually move money overseas quicker and cheaper. It doesn't go through the automated clearinghouse, which is what a traditional wire goes through. And when you send those traditional wires that go through, sometimes they take 24, 48 hours. Sometimes they'll take days or even weeks, depending on which country they're going through to actually clear. Whereas usually on cryptocurrency, the transactions happen in a matter of minutes. So it's it's faster, it's transnational, it's it's frictionless, it's usually cheaper, there's a lot less KYC, know your customer. Uh, so there are a lot of advantages to using uh, cryptocurrency uh, versus your traditional wire transfer. Uh, Sean, you sound like a payments professional. I was I was gonna say, um, you know, this this rings true to me because a lot of times that's conversations we try to have with businesses where it's like, hey, these benefits that you're providing to your customers are the exact same benefits that uh, you know these fraudsters or scammers are trying to extract from you. And so when you think about cryptocurrency, you said frictionless, totally agree, you know, international reach, uh, cheaper cost, you know, uh, to get the funds. Um, all of those benefits that would affect a normal consumer um, also benefit the fraudster in, in this respect as well. So a, a bit unfortunate, uh, but, you know, they're riding the curtails of that uh, technology too. Right. Now, um, you know, one thing we really try to do on the podcast is, again, share information, make sure people have as much intelligence as possible. So, now we know these scams exist, they leverage cryptocurrency. What would you suggest people look out for so as not to be fattened up uh, and you know eventually brought to slaughter in, in one of these scams? Like what 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 are good um, best practices to to safeguard oneself? Yeah, and I think it's kind of one of those age-old practices, like, hey, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Um, you know, if you think you can double your money in a matter of 24, 48 hours, that's probably very true. It, you know, it's, it's highly unlikely. Yeah. But I would also say when people are communicating with their person that they met online, we've never seen an instant yet where we've actually seen somebody come on video. There's always multiple reasons 
on why the individual on the other side cannot appear on video. Um, so that's one big red flag. Like if you've been communicating with someone for days or weeks, like we, we expect to have a video conference and see people face to face. The technology is there. It doesn't matter where you're located in the world, but they'll always have an excuse not to be online. So, so that's one big aspect. I know we haven't got kind of into the uh, technology aspect of it, but if if you're ever asked by someone to actually sideload what we call sideloading in apps, like we're used to going to your, your app store or your Google Play to download apps, those are usually all vetted. If you're being asked to go to a website in what we call sideloading an app and downloading something from a website and it's changing the configurations of your phone, that should be another major red flag flag there. So um, those are some big things that I would look out for. And then also the suspects a lot of times want the relationship to remain private and confidential. So, you know, they feel like if you're a victim over here and you share it with someone, you'll have a friend that will actually alert you like, hey, this doesn't seem right. And will actually kind of bring some common sense kind of into the conversation. So secrecy is also a thing that they kind of prey on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a good theme across all of those is the idea of would I do this normally or should I expect to do this? Like, how often are you sideloading apps? You know, when normally you just, you know, you update Candy Crush through the app store, you know, or um, if I'm in a relationship, how often are is my partner requesting like or maybe demanding secrecy? Um, So I think that's a really good red flag indicator, Sean. You know, it's just like, as much as you're able, take a pause, take a breath and say, like, should I expect to do this? Or this seems dissimilar from every other time I've done this historically. Right. And I would say, like, I feel like greed is just a powerful motivator. And it's just the basis for running a lot of this scheme. And, you know, I've just seen greed take very practical, reasonable people. And the logic kind of goes out the door. Like they're so caught into the scheme because it's so effective. So it's really, yeah. uh, really enlightening. Yeah, effective. Sean, you're giving me the perfect segues here. But effective is exactly what I wanted to talk about. So I, I know personally when I've read or encountered stories about pig butchering, the sums involved are often quite staggering and like ruinous to the people that fall victim here. Um, but I think there's a natural reaction from folks to say uh, they they should have known better. Like you can't give away that much money. Like that's that's their own fault. Do you have any thoughts around like how these scams are so successful to to draw so much funds from people that's like hard earned? You know, oftentimes over years or a lifetime. Right. No, that's a that's a good point. And I've been, you know, as you mentioned in the investigative, you know, especially in the financial realm for years. And periodically, I'll come across like I did with pig butchering. And I was like, man, when I first read and I started learning about it, I was like, wow, this is brilliant. This is a fantastic scheme, really well thought out. And I can just see how well it's going to work. It's based on greed. It's based on emotion. It's based on romance. It's got a lot of that key indicators that we expect to see the fraud to continue to increase. So when I first um, heard about it, I'm not necessarily so surprised 
at the amount of money that people are investing and losing because I think the the scheme is so effective. Is what surprises me though is how well educated a majority of the individuals are. You know, we've had financial advisors, people with masters, doctor degrees, people that have really well, really professional, high up in private sector businesses that you would think would never fall victim to these type of schemes. But again, it's just it's so it's so well done in a lot of ways that it's so easy for anyone to become victim to it. And I think one of the number one things we could do is is to educate people. Um, and and just kind of you know one more thing on on that note, like it's really convincing when people look at their their screen and they can kind of see the funds go up. Like it's very compelling. Mm-hmm. So, so there's just a lot of aspects of it that I think makes a scheme successful. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I know um, in my personal life, uh, uh, an uncle of mine that's really into cryptocurrency, that the thing he always says is it's a 24-7 market. He he likes to say that. And it's exactly to your point where he he likes to track how you know his coins are performing at any given point of the day. So it actually, you know, this narrative and the story that these fraudsters are selling really maps to like genuine interest. Again, I think it just speaks to um, how effective it is. Just uh, uh, frust- frustrating. Um, right. Yeah. And, and one more thing on that point, point, Jeff, that you kind of that kind of jogged my memory is we, we live in the day and age and I'm a prime example. Like I believe what the screen tells me. So when I go to my financial institution and I actually see you know, what's in my account, my checking account, my savings account, what's in my retirement account. I believe that to be true. There is no reason for me not to believe it's been true. It's been true my my whole career, my whole life. So everyone takes as to what they see on a screen as being truth. So when people are actually investing in these schemes and they've seen that it's doubled and tripled on the computer screen, they have no reason not to believe that it was true. When we look at our credit card statements, we believe that everything on our credit card statement is true and accurate. Um, and usually when I find out there's a discrepancy, it's always been on my fault, never been on the financial institution. Wow, that's that's such a good point. Yeah, especially when you consider how um, tethered we are to our devices and how much attraction and like our daily lives are spent on it. It, it That re- maps really well. Now, um, Recently, uh, we we saw you on a local uh, San Francisco Bay Area interview, and um, one thing in that uh, really stood out to me when you were talking about pig butchering, and you mentioned that, you know, if affected, maybe if you sideloaded one of these apps, the prudent course of action would actually be to reset your phone to factory settings, uh, potentially. Now, um, I think when people hear that in this day and age, you're like, oh my gosh, I lose all my settings. Like I, w- I would never, this is such a strong s- step, Sean. Now, uh, why why did you mention this as a step as opposed to just deleting the app or, you know, in, in the tech firm, we always have jokes around like clearing your cache and cookies is sufficient, but like resetting your phone to factory settings is quite strong. And so I'm sure you had a reason for suggesting that. Could you help us understand why? Yeah, so so we actually took some of these apps that were being sideloaded on the devices and we sent them back to a private sector company where they actually take and sandbox it. And it's basically they just load them up and they do a complete analysis on it. And we were really 
um, shocked to see kind of what came back. So these apps, when they're being sideloaded, usually an alert will come up, whether it's an Android device or, or an iPhone device, and it will say, hey, you're going to be rechanging the configuration. So your phone, like there's a warning that comes up. However, the suspects expect that warning to come up and they actually prep the victim for it. And they'll be like, hey, if you're doing this correctly, you should see an alert come up on your phone. It should say this. They kind of, so they're already prepped and they see it come up. So it just adds to the legitimacy of it. And they're like, hey, that's that's perfect. That's supposed to come up. They don't want you to know about these special offers or the special app that we're giving you. Like it's very convincing and it's very well articulated. But as what we found out with these apps, they've got read and write read and write capability on their devices. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the background of that app versus just taking you and what you see on the face and on the surface. So if you delete the app or you delete the cookies and the hash and the uh, caches, a lot of the stuff that is still going on behind the scenes is still there, which means they still have access to read write capability on your phone. They still have you know, access to kind of your location, even very specifically your longitude and latitude. Um, so that can usually, at a minimum, you've got to reset your phone to the factory settings uh, is what wow. we encourage people to do. Now, again, all the different apps and what you're side loading are all different. There's different capabilities, but they're becoming more and more sophisticated. Um, yeah. And I probably... Um, oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Jeff. It, Jeff, I just want to say, you know, if it was me and it happened to me on my phone and I sideloaded an app and I changed all the configurations, I would probably go to the extreme and just get a new phone just to be completely safe. I mean, that, that's how much access you're, uh, you're kind of given a person to yeah. your device. Absolutely. And it's, it's one thing that um, I've experienced per, like professionally in the past where victims that, uh, are subject to account compromise or account takeovers are like statistically way more likely to have it happen to them a second time. And this often happens even if they take remediation steps, you know, I'm changing my password or whatever, exactly for the reason you're talking about, because the device itself is still, still compromised, you know, even if you um, restore an account access. So um, it's a strong step, but I think a, a prudent one if, if necessary. So we definitely appreciate your candor there. Now, um, we, we've kind of talked, educated folks about pig butchering, hopefully a little bit more, but we want to leave everyone with some actionable advice. So if I feel like I've fallen victim to this, or I, I, like this was really interesting and I wanted to get in contact with you, um, where should uh, citizens either report these crimes or get in talk uh, with the U.S. Secret Service? Like when, when is that appropriate and how would they go about doing that? Yeah, so I think the sooner you contact the Secret Service, the better. And a lot of people feel like they've never heard the word pig butchering. They feel like they're kind of alone in the scheme and that they're kind of very isolated. And I think it's really good that they contact, you know, their local Secret Service office. And you can find that at secretservice.gov. There's a whole listing of our local field offices. Or you can just Google, you know, hey, Secret Service and then and kind of any major offices. But we've got offices all throughout the United States. We get them internationally. And a lot of people don't realize there's probably an office, you know, fairly close to where you live. Um, and probably unlike a lot of places, if you call your local Secret Service office, someone's going to pick up the phone. Like we purposely don't have it to where you're going to a 
a recording or you got to go through a whole menu, like someone's going to pick up the phone, which is, which is nice. And I think it's important for victims to, to talk to someone uh, right away. Another good place to report it is IC3.gov, and that's uh, run by the FBI. And again, the more information that you put in there or you get over to your Secret Service office, the quicker and the better we can start doing the tracing on it. So it's really important to like, hey, know your account information, the accounts that you sent the money to, the uh, the transactional hashes that are involved in it, you know, as much detail as possible helps us out investigatively. But but it's really important for you to contact the Secret Service as soon as possible. Appreciate that. And uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar, IC3 stands for the Internet Crime Complaints Center. Uh, so if you Google that or just IC3.gov, you'll, you'll be well sorted. Um, but everyone, thanks for listening to the Digital Trust and Safety Insider podcast presented by SIF, the leader in digital trust and safety. For more fraud news and insights from our team of trust and safety architects, such as myself, follow us on Twitter at GetSIFT and check out our fraud, our new Fraud Intelligence Center at SIFT.com slash fraud hyphen center. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Jeff. And I appreciate you having me on today.